Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, Seth Walder of ESPN joins me to break down the first round of the most recent NFL draft, the 2023 NFL draft. Which of the 31 players selected in the first round would be selected there again if we redrafted those teams today? And which of the players drafted outside of the first round would make it into the first round if we redid things? A lot of fun thought about what's happened so far in these guys' careers. But first, I want to talk to you about something that has been discussed very commonly this week. I want to talk to you about the Patriots, and I want to talk to you about the Bill Belichick situation. There have been reports and rumors that the Patriots have made their decision, and Bill Belichick will be fired or some level of moved on from at the end of the year. I always sort of figured the Patriots would let Belichick quote-unquote retire um, if he was going to be fired from the organization. Maybe they'll try and trade him to another team given that he does have a very expensive contract that I'm sure the Kraft family would prefer not to pay for 2024 and beyond. Maybe the reports are false and he'll stick around for another year. But I want to say, I don't think the Patriots should fire Bill Belichick. I wrote about this in my column on the Patriots earlier this year about how they've struggled to draft players, how Belichick has not been able to build a coherent offense around mediocre quarterbacks in recent years. And those all seem like good reasons perhaps to fire him or make changes to his power. But uh, there's a few arguments here, I think, that are meaningful. Number one, drafting is inconsistent. We have gotten to see teams, very few teams, keep the same general manager, keep the same coaching staff for a long period of time. The Ravens, maybe, the Steelers, um, the Seahawks with John Schneider and Pete Carroll. But the reality is we're always, always judging general managers based on very small samples. We're judging them on, you know, three or four drafts for the vast majority of general managers where you're hoping to land maybe one star or two stars with your your first and second round picks given the historical rate of success. So judging Bill Belichick based on a few bad drafts is meaningful, but he was also very good at drafting before that point. And the thing Bill Belichick can control moving around the draft, adding extra picks, he's typically historically been very good and made a very valuable contribution to the Patriots by managing the draft well, even if he has not selected the correct players at all times. So I'm not sure Bill Belichick is appreciably worse at drafting than whoever he's likely to be replaced by, depending on, of course, who the who the Kraft family decides to bring in, whether they bring in a coach who is also, quote-unquote, shopping for the groceries the way Belichick is, whether they bring in a more traditional GM. I, I would like to the Patriots bring in someone who has more personnel power, who has more of a focus in the draft with a more traditional background um, than a coach like Belichick, but... I do think he's going to be okay if he sticks around. We just saw him take Christian Gonzalez in the first round of this past year's draft, and Christian Gonzalez looks like he's going to be a superstar when he is healthy. So that's an optimistic sign. Number two, without Christian Gonzalez and without Matt Judon, the two best players on that defense, the Patriots' defense is getting fixed. I know they've played an easy schedule over the last few games, but the Patriots are number one in the NFL in points allowed per drive over that stretch, which shocked me. And again, I know, obviously, the defense, they've played some easy quarterbacks, but they're playing with an offense in New England that is terrible, that punts a ton, that turns the ball over, hands over short fields. They are a mess on the offensive side of the ball. That defense has had to carry them to be competitive in games, and the Patriots' defense has pulled it off with 
you know, some good players, a lot of players who aren't especially exciting. You know, Miles Brandt, Bryant's playing well. JC Jackson was was basically, you know, cut by the Chargers and sent to the Patriots with a significant payment just to get his contract off the books. He's been okay as an NFL cornerback. Like Mac Wilson's making plays against the Steelers last week. I mean, he's not doing it with stars. And I think that speaks to Bill Belichick's ability, his ability to recognize which defensive players for other teams can make a difference for New England, and his ability to develop uh, you know, defensive talent, whether it be in the later rounds of the draft, undrafted free agents. He has 20 years of doing that. So to me, that's a skill that I think the Patriots would lose if they do move on from Belichick for perhaps a more offensive-minded coach. But the biggest argument for me why the Patriots should not fire Bill Belichick relates to what I'm writing about for ESPN.com tomorrow. Do you guys realize how many teams are having serious conversations about possibly firing their coach? I mean, every fan base complains about their coaching staff. I literally have people telling me the Chiefs need to fire Andy Reid and Brett Veach after last week's game. So I'm not trying to make the like, there's one fan argument, but just off the top of my head, the, the 10 teams who are coming in tomorrow's article, the Panthers, the Saints, the Commanders, the Patriots, the Jets, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Bears, the Raiders, the Bucks. I believe that's all 10 teams, but 10 teams, all of the NFC South and six other teams who there's a very reasonable chance they will fire their head coach. We're looking for someone else this offseason. That doesn't include the Bills, where there's been rumors about Sean McDermott, the Titans, who there's been rumors about Mike Vrabel, um, the Steelers, where their fans are convinced that Mike Tomlin's not a good coach anymore. Like, I'm not even considering those people because I think they would be stopped up so quickly that their teams would be crazy to fire them. Um, you look at those teams, like, are, are the Patriots really going to be ahead of those teams in line to get, a, get a, a great head coach? Maybe because they have stable ownership and maybe because they're likely to have a top two pick, they'll end up in that spot. But, man, I, I really don't feel like the Patriots are likely to end up with a coach better than Bill Belichick if they do fire him. So for those reasons, I would say the Patriots should keep Bill Belichick, try to encourage him to be a little more open to different modes of thought with the offense, but there's a lot of advantages to having Bill Belichick, and you don't want to end up hiring the eighth best coach on the market to replace him this upcoming season. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, joining me now here, as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show, one of my favorite guests, one of the smartest people working at ESPN, covering the NFL, breaking down football from all kinds of various perspectives, analytics, game management, gambling, fantasy. This man is a renaissance man when it comes to the National Football League. Any someone who I feel very confident is going to give a thoughtful answer to a, a process that is not always the most thoughtful process, and that is evaluating a draft performance. We're going to look back at the first round of the 2023 NFL draft, figure out who should be drafted in the first round if it happened again today, who would move up, who would move down, run through all the picks, and then talk about the players who should have been taken in the first round based on what we know here in the final month of their respective rookie seasons. And joining me to do that is the very wise Seth Walter. Seth, how are you, sir? I'm great. That was way too kind. Um, but I'm also really excited for this. I was so fired up when you suggested this exercise. And I was just thinking, like, why is it, why do I like this? And I was like, you know, I really like play, I, I really like ranking players. I think, I think it's like it's a good, best. important, fun exercise, right? Uh, and and it forces you to make some choices. But the thing is, like, the draft is like it's like this this beautiful snapshot where the league tells us what exactly what they think, basically, of these players. But then after that, like a million things happen and it becomes all nebulous again. And we only get that one moment in time. Yes. It's very, very, it, it's sort of like the, you know, like, like the moment, you know, one o'clock hits and, it, you know, the DFS ownerships come out and you're like, oh, though, that's exactly what people think when they put their money behind it. it, it it's, you know, it, it is such a weird thing because you have the element of development after the draft. So of course you mm -hmm. have players who look better because they end up in the right spot. Um, and players who look worse because they end up in the wrong spot. But we have almost a full year for most of these guys. We have an idea of what their teams think, right? I mean, we, we, we've seen who's played, who hasn't played, how they've performed so far. And so with still imperfect information, but a little more now than we had in that flash moment uh, back in April, let's run through it. Let's, let's go through the first round and figure out from both of our perspectives who would stay in the first round and who would not. And... We could talk about all these guys at length, but let's start with the 101. Bryce Young, Seth, how do you feel? Uh, he wouldn't be 101. I think I no. think that <laughs> that's safe. Uh, I still think Bryce Young. He would obviously move down the draft. I still think he would be a first round pick. We've yes. seen plenty of times in football that quarterbacks can have a rough rookie year and oh yeah, and bounce back from that. Right, and there's lots of good examples from. Eli Manning to Jared Goff to Trevor mm -hmm. Lawrence. Uh, but so he's, it's obviously been about as bad as, as the Panthers could have feared. It's a bit of bad situation. I think uh, it's pretty safe to say, but he was a high, high level prospect. He was not mm -hmm. like the very, very tippy top tier, like the Lawrence Caleb Williams right. tier, but he was still a one-on-one caliber quarterback. And so that's just like a really strong prior. I, I think, and I think teams would think that too. Right. Do you think I, I agree? But I guess the question for me is if if teams were sorting through the quarterbacks now, if we could see every team's board based on what we've seen, do you think Young would be number two, number three, number four, even perhaps behind Will Levis? Where where do you think he would land on like the broader like this is how we feel about this quarterback class board? I think three. I think he would move behind Stroud and Richardson comfortably. 
I still think he would be ahead of Levis, but I understand the question. Uh, mm -hmm. And Levis has obviously played his rookie year has gone like probably better than expected, but still hasn't been um, incredible. And I'm trying not to mm -hmm. keep like the, you know, the last few minutes of Monday night's game, like not let that <laughs> dictate exactly what we think. Uh, but uh, I think he would go ahead of Levis. Do you think he would go ahead of Levis and we redrafted right now? I think there are teams who would put Levis ahead of him. I don't okay. think everyone would. I, I think he would still go ahead of Levis if we were doing like a consensus, mm -hmm. but I, I do believe there are teams who would put Will Levis ahead of Bryce Young. Um, not everyone. though. Certainly. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't this like, this is what I love about it. It's like, we've only you know had what? 14 weeks and here we are saying the guy who was not hundred percent, but most people thought would be the number one pick was the number one pick. This other guy didn't even go in the first round and we're already mm -hmm. considering swapping them. But Seth, I will point out that you said you would put Anthony Richardson comfortably ahead of Bryce Young. And to my knowledge, Anthony Richardson has still not completed a full game of NFL football without getting injured. Um, did he have one complete start this year? I feel like there was one. There might've been one, but even so, I I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, you know, I think like we're all subject to this, right? Like I think mm -hmm. we all we all sort of have this imperfect amount of information and we're all basing a lot on it. And I I I I can see why teams would make those sort of, you know, proclamations based on a relatively small amount of game tape. That's true. Do you feel like Richardson's stock has gone up or down since the NFL draft? I think up. Because he was not a yeah. total failure, right? Like he looked he looked in, in a good offense that is built for him, he did not look overwhelmed as a rookie. And I right. think everyone expects, you know, he's going to get better as he get more reps. So I think, you know, I think I that's think, right. Just the injury risk. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's higher for some teams, but I still think he'd go right where he is. We'll get to him in a second. But CJ Stroud, I mean, kind of feels like he's the obvious first overall pick. No. Yes. Yes. I think he would. We, we he would keep that one certainly be good. one. Uh, Will Anderson, I know no. he's not had great, great sack performance, but I know his underlying numbers are strong. We don't have to have the debate about the two first round picks again, but certainly it feels like he'd go right in the same range again. Yes, totally agree. I think still, a, still even a defensive rookie of the year candidate. No question. Um, we have Anthony Richardson at four. We just talked about Devin Witherspoon at five, who's been phenomenal. I think a defensive rookie of the year candidate as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I like it's hard to imagine him going any higher just because cornerbacks are not typically valued at that level. But outside of sauce Gardner last year, if you were ever thinking about, okay, what would a, a superstar cornerback, you know, look like to the point where someone would go in the top five or top four or top three kind of looks like what Devin Witherspoon's done this year. Yeah, definitely agree. I think, I think that he, with Jalen Carter sort of falling off a little bit, I think Witherspoon really is a candidate for defensive rookie of the year. And so, yeah, like how could I, I I'm with you. Like where could he really move up that, that much more? I don't see it, but I think, yes, I think he would be a top five pick still. Yes. So I think top five, we, we feel pretty good about. It gets interesting in the bottom half of the top five. So Paris Johnson at six. Do you have I any have, strong feelings on Paris Johnson? I have a yes with a little question mark on still being sure. in round one. Um, I think he, I think he would be, he's been, so he's been pretty bad. Uh, his pass block win rate, he ranks 68th out of 71. 
tackles and that's pretty rough now i think i've looked at offensive linemen specifically and they they specifically struggle across the board in year one that includes Mm -hmm. looking at first round guy like first round the average first rounder who plays so even ignoring the guys who don't get on the field the average first rounder who plays is below average on offensive line and we have lots of players who do that and then go on to be really good andrew thomas was that way uh, Panay Sewell was that way for most of his rookie year. He did he did kind of start playing really well at the, at the end. Um, so to me, it's like if he were a lower draft pick and he produced like this, I would drop I think he would drop, but like this, to me, it's like where you're drafted is that is that prior. And so I am holding him in round one because of the sort of quality of prospect he was. I agree. Uh, I think at this point, I'm sure we'll get to someone in a minute, but like with these top 10 picks, the prior so strong that it's hard to imagine players falling entirely out of the first round. In most cases, as we get to number seven, which is Tyree Wilson. Seth, do you have Tyree Wilson going in the first round? Uh, nowhere close. I, nowhere I close. I think he's well. Wow. I think the question is, does he does he does he go in the first two rounds? I think would be wow. more. Do you think he goes in the first two rounds? I think he probably goes in in the second round somewhere. He sneaks in there. Yeah. It's been it's been really bad, and you know I don't have it in front of me. I want I want to pull it. His his get off is so has been so poor. I think I think we talked about this at may, maybe the last time, right? Where he I mm-hmm. felt like it was uh, he was already maybe out of the first round because he he obviously hasn't played as much. Um, and yeah, he is a he is bottom one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Bottom seven and get off among players with just a hundred passer snaps. So that's a really right. low cutoff. And none of those players around him uh, are are thought of as pass rushers really in, in any way. So, <laughs> um, so like uh, that's not true. John Franklin Myers on that list. He, you know, he gets some sacks, but, uh, but it's still, it's like rough company. And I don't, I don't see how he would go in the first round if we yeah. do this again. And I mean, the scary part is it's not like he's, you know, getting double teamed. Max Crosby's on the other side of the line from him. Um, he has two and a half sacks and four knockdowns so far this season. Just a brutal start to his pro career. I agree with you. He was one of my players who were not going in the first round in the redraft. Number eight, Bijan Robinson. It's interesting. I mean, I feel, I still think he goes in the first round. But I think the usage case of like, oh, he's a a different sort of player than the guy who, you know, than, than a typical great running back has not really been borne out by his usage or performance this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's like a tough one for me to evaluate in some ways because like I think you and I both agree like back then we wouldn't have put him in the first round and if you feel that way, but that's not the question. It's not what, we, what would we do? What would teams do? Yes. And I yes. think the team's... I think he might move down a little bit, but I don't know if it would be mm-hmm. that far. Um, I agree. I, I, I Yeah, I think people would see what's happened this year and say, okay, I don't know. Maybe he goes between 10 and 20 instead of at 8. Yeah, I have I have another more interesting question with Robinson that I think we'll get to in a minute. Um, Jalen Carter at 9, I think he goes higher, if anything, than where he was now. I think he looked phenomenal. He slowed down a little bit, but generally looked very good as a rookie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely agree. Yeah. Darnell Wright for the Bears at 10. How has he looked by the win rate numbers at right tackle? 
by the win rate number is pretty strong. I mean, he's the guy, you know, he's been a little bit above average in pass block win rate and run block win rate. So I think if you're getting that out of a rookie tackle. You're feeling, you're feeling pretty good. So uh, I know. Yeah. So I would say he probably holds position at least, yep. at least what I would think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, right tackle's tough. You have seen right tackles go a little higher than this. Lane Johnson, I think, was four when he was drafted by the Eagles. Um, I don't know that teams really are willing to value that position yet as a, you know, a top five, top six pick at this point. But I think the Bears would be happy to take Darnell Wright again if he was on the board at 10. 11, we have Peter Skaronsky, the guard slash tackle for Tennessee. I know the Tennessee line has been really bad on the whole at least according to the the film this year but any any strong feelings on Skaronsky he's been below average in terms of as a guard in uh in pass block win rate so I think it's like you're starting to have a question at at that point Mm -hmm. but I think he probably holds in the first round he falls down a little bit but I still I still come back to what I said before about rookie offensive linemen and I would have just a hard time punishing them too far Mm -hmm. For performance and, it, and i said below average not like not like the worst yeah and, and i mean also they've had some major fluctuations at left tackle skaronsky did he have an appendectomy over right before the season i know he missed time at the beginning of the year with something i, I think it was an appendectomy or like a, tons, a tonsillectomy maybe one one of those two one of those things that you don't typically need and <laughs> you just have you have a random surgery at some point uh and you're weakened by it that may have impacted his rookie season so willing to give him some benefit of the doubt still have him as a first rounder number 12 jameer gibbs and seth here is my question there was some talk before the, or right after the draft that there were some teams who were willing to consider drafting Jameer Gibbs ahead of B. John Robinson. I believe the Lions might have even been one of those teams when they were talking about trading down. So based on what we've seen so far this year, do you think there are more teams, maybe even a majority of teams, who would take Jameer Gibbs over B. John Robinson? Or do you still think B. John Robinson's perceived to be the better prospect? Ooh, this is a tricky question. I know. I, I I I'll give you my answer because okay, I, I cheated and thought about I thought about this before <laughs> I asked you. Um, I I think it depends, right? You know, I I think if you want that hybrid sort of player, we have seen Jameer Gibbs be a more active receiver to me. I think they are using him in a wider range of ways and that could be just ben johnson's creativity relative to arthur smith's creativity could just be that they throw the ball more in detroit than they do in atlanta which i think is fair the numbers are pretty similar uh jameer has 45 catches for 288 yards Bijan 40 for 320 yards and three touchdowns jameer gibbs does not have a receiving touchdown yet but it it doesn't feel to me like jameer gibbs is you know a, a gadget player it doesn't feel like he's a guy who can't be your primary running back when he's been given the opportunity when David Montgomery's been hurt. I think Gibbs has been fine in that role. So I, I would be inclined to at the very least have them kind of in the same tier for, for running backs. I think that's fair. They're, you know, their rush yards over expectation per carry are really similar. So I think that speaks to what you're saying. It's like, it's not like you're talking about a way worse rusher, but on the flip side, right. Robinson to your point is also a good receiver. I think to me, I would slightly lean Robinson if forced to choose just because he was considered like the gap between them was most people thought at least that was larger than it ended up being uh, draft wise. Like Robinson was, you know, 
a once every five years kind of running back prospect, which we didn't hear about Gibbs. So right. I consider that somewhat of a useful prior. So I would say it's close, but I'll lean Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Gibbs was not even seen in some places as a first round pick heading into the draft. I know that right. he ended up being incredibly high, but I mean, I think he was, I don't remember what his over under was, but it was definitely much lower or, or, or much. I, I don't know. I can never tell whether it's higher or lower with, with draft position. There was um, like a month out. I remember he was like, it was like 50, 50, whether he was a first rounder. And, yes. then, and then right before the draft, it was, he was very clearly in the first round, but I think mm-hmm. his over under was more like 21 and a half or something. Right. Like that. Yes. So I think we both agree if teams liked him enough to be a first rounder before the draft, he's going to end up there again as well. Um, Lucas Van Ness for the Packers at 13. So I think this is a question. I have him in barely, but I have him in. I mean, you too. he hasn't played very much. On the flip side, he's got good players in front of him. Uh, but the numbers are are not great. I mean, 5% pass rush win rate at edge. He's got a slower get off, not, a, not quite at Tyree Wilson level, but like not mm-hmm. what you want to see. Uh, and, but smaller, smaller sample. So I do think it's, it's like very useful to see how much guys are playing, but you have to factor yes. in who's in front of them. And so and why, so why they might not be playing. So I have them in uh, if, if I felt like, the way I did this was like I went through, I, I sort of like yes, no, and then I went back mm-hmm. through the rest of the draft and figured out like how many guys would I want to put in. If I had like another right. maybe two compelling more people, two more compelling people to put in, then maybe he could be out. So I think he's mm-hmm. falling, but still in the first. Makes sense to me. I have him like right in that 28 to 32 range for the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have Broderick Jones right in that range as well. How do you feel about the Steelers tackle? Yeah, same. So he i think well actually i feel stronger that he would remain in the first because i okay. just think that uh but like also agree i guess i just feel more confident he would remain in the first i think he's i think his numbers have been eh, but uh and he didn't he didn't start the year correct uh starting yes. um, yeah he, he he's come into the lineup as the year's gone along they benched uh chooks for i believe and put him right. in the lineup okay so he started in week eight Right, well, in five and then and then eight on, and his numbers have been below average, I think, from there. But I come back to what I said before about offensive linemen. Uh, so yeah, I think it's question, but uh, but I think he holds on. Yeah, that's a pretty big tier gap here. The next offensive lineman is Anton Harrison at twenty-seven. So, I mean, I felt like that was kind of we don't know i guess the league maybe goes differently with a different draft order but it felt like from what i remember before the draft he was kind of like the last offensive lineman you were comfortable taking in the first half of the first round so definitely because uh, everyone thought the yeah. jets were going to take a tackle and then yep jones goes off the board and they don't take a tackle they take will mcdonald a 24 year old edge rusher who has barely played this season seth i, I find it hard to imagine that we would criticize the jets for a decision they made this offseason i don't think aaron Rodgers made this pick but seth would will mcdonald still be a first rounder for you no i have him out he was he's out he's out he's out is he is he not out for you he is the last pick in the first round oh okay all right he was he was and i think that this is like i do think that opinions going into the draft are are way less useful than what actually happens because there's something yes. that we don't know, right? He was certainly, mm-hmm. though, I considered a reach, considered a late, a, a late first rounder if he if he got in the first round. 
um, for all the reasons that you said, right? Like being an old older prospect. Um, yeah, it's a deep group. And so that does partially explain why he's, why he's been struggling to get on the field. But I don't know. That's uh, putting all those things together. I have him. I have him out. Fair. Not saying you're wrong. Just we, we disagree, but we will say this. We have more players to come. Emmanuel Forbes, the commander's cornerback. Among all cornerbacks with at least 100 coverage snaps this season, no one has allowed more yards per coverage oh. snap than Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, and he was benched. So uh, I think so he is out for me. He's out. Undersized player. Um, I think probably around two, maybe even around three uh, cornerback based on what we've seen so far this year. He's out for me as well. Um, Christian Gonzalez is 17 for the Patriots, missed most of the season, but I think by all accounts was playing at a star level before his injury. Yes, he would move up, I believe, in the draft. No, I I, I think he'd be right at in the in the in the top 10 range, right in the eight to twelve range there. Um Jack Campbell at 18 for the Lions. How do you feel about Jack Campbell? I have him in, but I'm wondering if he is the person that you have out that I and I don't. I'm wondering. Uh, he, he is out for me. That is correct. Okay. Your instincts very wise, Seth Walder. Uh, so I have him as a my on my little notes here. It says no question mark uh, because he was. <laughs> if I thought about one more person, then he would be out. Uh, he's given up the second most yards per coverage snap among linebackers with at least 100 coverage snaps. Is really noisy looking at linebackers and coverage. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that's like a useful number. Uh, there are. But, I, you know, it's, t- it's tough to sell. So I think he would be, I think he would be out. He was certainly, again, we're coming back to this, and I, I don't, you know, wasn't expected to be a first-round pick, I don't right. think, uh, going into the draft. But again, you know, the, the draft is more informative than the speculation. So, yeah, True. I have him narrowly in. He would be, like, you had Will McDonald. I didn't number them, but you had Will McDonald at 32. Mm. I would have had Campbell at 32. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I have Campbell out. There was no middle linebackers taking between Campbell at 18. And then I believe the next one was Drew Sanders at 67 mm. from the Broncos. So didn't seem like a lot of teams were desperate to take middle linebackers or inside linebackers. Maybe Campbell would have been the exception. Um, and I, it's obviously not at fault for everything that's gone wrong with the Lions defense this year. There's been injuries in the secondary. They need a secondary pass rusher. But it's not as if he's been a plug-and-play solution for the Lions at a position where it is typically easy to find players. So I don't know, maybe Detroit would take him again, but to me, I think he falls out of the first round. Um, Kalijah Kansi at 19, I think right in the same spot. He's flashed a bunch. Uh, how do you feel about Kansi, Seth? Yeah, he's in for me. Four sacks um, on the year. I think the Bucks probably feel like solid pick that they got out of Kansi. Mm-hmm. I think he holds. Yep. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20. So he's interesting. Obviously, he he stays in the first round. Um, he might fall. Obviously, hasn't gone the way they want. I think if you look at his yards per route run, it's been one point four, uh, which is okay. Uh, his RTMs are bad. His receiver tracking metrics, but his open score is forty nine. So that's the most important one. That's kind of middle of the road, a shade below average for mm-hmm. for a wide receiver. He's a really good prospect. I think he holds in the first round, but uh, but you know hasn't been what Seattle wanted. I think that's very yeah, fair. yeah. I think there's other wide receivers who would go ahead of him if we were repicking this position 
in this draft. One of those wide receivers, and I I don't want to be mean because I genuinely feel bad. Going to Johnston. It's obviously not a conversation of would he go in the first round, but I guess let me ask you this, Seth. What do you think is the round he would be taking in right now if teams knew how bad his first season has gone? To me, I said said round three. I think he'd go like bottom half of round three as a size speed prospect who needs a lot of patience and probably needs to be, uh, you know, to work on his, his strength, his his core, his ability to catch the football. I don't know if he has bad eyesight. Maybe he needs to go get LASIK. Like, like, like I feel like there's going to be a lot of Quentin Johnston approaches rookie season the wrong way, and now it's going to be better because he did this during the offseason uh, in August of 2024. But I, I, I can't imagine him going in the first round again. No, I don't think so. This was when you said which round would he go in. I was thinking because I – I didn't even look at numbers for him. You know, it was just kind of like, I, like for most of these guys, I was sort of like, okay, let's, let's look at some advanced numbers. He was just a quick skip. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, no, I think uh, has not worked out. Nope. That's a, that's a tough mess. Yes. yes. Um, Zay Flowers after him. I think Zay Flowers would go a little bit higher. No. Yes. Oh yes. I think, I think certainly Zay Flowers in and moving up ahead of, ahead of JSN. So you think, would it, would it, for you, would it be of, of these first round picks? It'd be Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, JSN in that order. Uh, yes, among the first round picks. Yes. Yes, we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of the later wide receivers uh, later on in the show, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that takes care of the wide receivers. Quentin Johnston falling out of the first round. Everyone else sticking in. Uh, Deontay Banks at 24. I think he holds. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know pro football focus has him with really poor grades. Uh, he's got 1.3 yards per coverage snap and it's not like there's been uh, crazy penalties. I don't think or anything. Um, so to me, I think banks is banks is holding as a, as a first year corner. I have him out very oh. slightly. He, it, it's, it's maybe unfair. I think he has poor grades because he's put on an Island more than other cornerbacks in this system. And he was good on Monday night, he had a good game against the Packers, but uh, I have found him to be very inconsistent at cornerback. I, I would put other players in the second round and later ahead of him. So to me, he's just he's like he's like in the thirty-six to forty range for me, just out of the first round. All right, that's an interesting one. Okay, after him, Dalton Kincaid for the Bills. Yeah, I have him. I have him still in. He's obviously been solid. Yep. He hasn't been the best tight end, I don't think, but. Uh... But yes, I think he stays. I agree. Um, you know, other tight ends have been exciting. Certainly, we can talk about some of them later, I'm guessing. But uh, I think he's done enough to justify his spot. Mozzie Smith for the Cowboys in that stacked defensive line room. Yeah, he's out for me. I think it's a kind of a tough sell already when you're talking about like a mostly run-stuffing defensive mm-hmm. tackle uh, going in the first round and now he really hasn't played very much. And I don't, I don't think there's been any signs from when he has been on the field that he should justify a first round pick. Like we have the benefit of knowing some of these other players that didn't go in the first round at this point. And so when you compare them, I don't think, I don't see how he stays. Yeah. And and you talked about our priors earlier and how it's, you know, hard to get a guy taken in the top 12 out of the first round. 
it's a little different when you have guys in the 27 to 32 range or 27 to 31 range because yeah. there's just not that big of a gap between these guys in the second rounders. So um, I agree. Smith is out for me. What about Anton Harrison for the Jags at 27? So this is exactly what you're talking about, right? Like he has performed poorly, 66 out of 71 tackles and pass block win rate. And mm-hmm. like I've given all the caveats about offensive linemen, but here you just don't have to fall that far. And so it's like, do I imagine he would still be taken – uh, pretty high, yeah. But if he moves down eight spots, then he's gone. So mm-hmm. I have Harrison out. Do you have? That's the one I'm curious about. You, you have Harrison out. I do as well. I have Harrison out. He struggled this year. Um, and again, I think there's a difference between struggling at right tackle and struggling at left tackle. Not, of course, right tackle still get paid, but mm-hmm. like on, on the offensive line spectrum, you know, you're going left tackle, right tackle, and then you're going on the inside. So if Harrison had been struggling at left tackle. You'd say, oh, maybe they can move him to right tackle. Maybe he'll be better there, but not the case for him. Um, I have him out. What about Miles Murphy for the Bengals at 28? I have him out. He has not played a lot, and that is kind of the key driver. I will say he has a 14% pass rush win rate at edge, which is solid. That's kind of middle of middle of the road. Uh, so it's not it's not bad for a not bad as a as a rookie. It's sort of what you yeah. would maybe expect for a 28th overall pick uh but i have him out because of the other players but I, it's not like wouldn't be the craziest one to stay in i agree um i have him out i have brian Breesy in though oh wow interesting you don't. i don't uh i didn't see you know that's interesting okay so is it because of playing time or what i, what I think i think they've asked a lot out of him i think they okay. You know, like they don't have a great pass rush on the outside. They they have basically gotten rid of their entire defensive tackle rotation because of cap concerns. Like he's had to be a significant part of the defense from day one. And like he's not playing every snap or anything. He's in a rotation, but I think he's done. Like he he looks like he belongs when I watch the Saints play. Um, and I think that's an exciting thing. You know, just in terms of like, you know, he he fits. He's to me, he's been a solid run defender. I don't know how he rates out, but. Um, you know, I, I think his, given his age, given his college level of performance, given um, given how he's played for the Saints, I think he'd still go probably in this range. I'm trying to remember where we have him. He ranks 113th out of 114 by PFF um, in interior defenders, which I did I did find notable. And I think not if ideal. I recall, if I recall, he didn't his run stop numbers. We also might have had as below average at least. Well, um, that- that could be on me. I I I am not a scout. Yes, we have him. Yes, solidly below average. So you have him out. I have him out. Yes, I have him out. You have eight guys out so far. Yes. Um, Nolan Smith for the Eagles at thirty. Do you have eight guys out as well? I have. I'll, I I will I will count while you tell me about Nolan. Smith. <laughs> I have Nolan Smith out. Um, this one's playing time. Uh, he's barely played. I mean, barely played and like, yeah, really tough to get on the field maybe with this group, but I just don't see how when we're talking about someone who's this close to being out of the first round already, once you learn, they don't really play. It's just hard to justify them staying. I agree with you on Nolan Smith. He's barely played. Um, I know that there's sort of the Georgia halo effect where it's just, and he was a guy who was admittedly expected to go much higher 
than yep. 30, but we did see teams passing him, and that to me is a little meaningful. And he has not been able to garner significant snaps for the Eagles, even as their pressure rate and sack rate have cratered in recent weeks. So still plenty of time for him to develop, but just not a, a clear first rounder to me when you see some of these guys who are available after the first round. Let me finish up. Felix Anadike Uzoma for the Kansas City Chiefs has barely played. To me, I think he's around two round three guy at this point. Same, same justification. Yeah, we're talking about, you know, he's playing single digit snaps per game. And again, plenty of time to develop, but it's not like they have, you know, they, they have a bunch of veteran pass rushers ahead of him. Like he he is, you know, he is not carving out a significant role in the rotation the way that George Karloff just did last year, for example. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, 10 guys for each of us, if I did the math correct. Here's the fun part. Who are we putting into the first round? Are we going to have the same 10 players? My guess is we will have we will have one or two players who are different, but we'll have I think eight eight identical players here. Okay, I think I think 8 is a good 8 and a half is a good line. Oh, I, I I'll go under 8 and a half. I can see that too. Okay, so let's do you ha- what order do you have them in? Uh, random, mostly random order. You want to nominate someone? No, no, you go ahead. You nominate someone and then we'll go from there. Okay, I'll do Joey Porter Jr. That's an easy one. The, the 32nd pick, the Chase Claypool selection. Yeah. Um, Steelers, yes. Steelers have not had a starting cornerback or starting a, a rookie cornerback start 12 games, I think, since the 80s. So um, I think he's going to come up just short of that totally arbitrary barrier, but very rare for them to get a cornerback in this early. And I think Joey Porter's played very well when he's had the opportunity to play. Really well. I mean, nearest defender numbers, he has been excellent by those counts. I think Jalen Johnson is number one in the league among uh, outside corners. And I think he is two. He's two or three. Uh, And that's pretty remarkable. Now, he hasn't played quite as much as like every starter because he didn't get into the starting lineup uh, right away at the beginning of the season. But I don't think you know, uh, who cares? Like the, the, the point is to, uh, forecast these players for the rest of their career mostly. And yeah, he is number, he is number two and with significantly negative, uh, target EPA negative being mm-hmm. positive. So, uh, that's really <laughs> negative being a good thing. I mean, oh man. Uh, so yeah, I think he's an easy choice to, to make the first round. Yeah. I'll also throw another Steelers player in there. Keanu Benton the defensive tackle um they needed someone who could plug up the interior with stefan to retiring um they you know karen hayward was not playing for a chunk of the year 
and God knows the Steelers have needed to win games with their defense. The defense has not been great, but I think Benton's been a really valuable rotation piece for them. I think he probably goes in place of one of those defensive ends we kicked out of the bottom of the first round. He did not make my list, Bill. So there we, we go. have he is on my uh, just outside, you know, first four out uh, okay. area. So we have one disagreement already. There we go. Okay, give me another one from your list. Uh, I'll go Puka Nakua. I think he's an okay. easy first round that was choice. Easy. <laughs> yeah, um, I think he's you know really interesting in in retrospect to think about where he would go. Yes, uh, and. What's so funny about this one is like, it's not, it's like, he's a good athlete, right? So it's like, it's not like yeah. this is a player that was, you know, fell because he, you know, they didn't, he couldn't test well. Uh, so like he hit, I think 21.4 miles per hour uh, re in, a, in a game recently. So like, you know, I think when you consider the production he has and and all that, I'm not arguing for him in the first round. That's obvious. I think the question is just like how high how high would he go? Where do you think he would go among the receivers if we redrafted? I don't really I answer he, here. I think he'd probably go number one. I think yeah. he'd go ahead of the other wide receivers in this class. Um, mm -hmm. The production's been so significant to me that I think it would be hard to deny. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think there would be individual teams who would prefer Zay Flowers' explosiveness, yeah. individual teams who would prefer JSN's college profile, um, and not to say that they're wrong. Those guys could be better in the long run, but I think Puka's just been so phenomenal from the start. Um, I think he goes upper half of the first round. Yeah. Um, I will throw out another wide receiver. That's a pretty obvious pick. I'll throw out Tank Dell with the Houston Texans. I'm assuming he's on your list. Yes. Okay, good. Thank Dell out for the year, but uh, has been way more than a gadget player. I think I wrote in the Playmakers column to start the year that he was expected to be like, you know, their punt returner. Um, he's been a little more than a punt <laughs> returner. He looks like an awesome wide receiver. Uh, he's going to be a, a, a valuable part of the Texans for years to come. So Tank Dell also in the first round. Who, who next for you, Seth? Uh, let's go Devon Achan, running back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I was yeah. wondering if you had Achan on there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here's the first two players in rush yards over expectation this year. Christian McCaffrey, <laughs> Devon Achan. Yeah. And, Devon, and one of those players has had more than three times as many carries as the other. So, uh, yeah, I think it seems hard hard to deny that he would be a, a first-rounder if, if we could do this all again. Yeah, and obviously the upside with the speed. Um, I know the Dolphins have got a lot, got a lot out of him, but... I think other teams would also figure out, hey, have have fast guy run a go route and see if he can get open for a touchdown. So uh, HN, I think, would be a first-round pick, no question. Um, here's where it gets tougher. I'll, I'll put Sam Laporta out there. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's maybe there's like one more no-doubter to me on this list besides Laporta, but I think Laporta uh, has been really impressive as a rookie receiver, rookie tight ends. Typically, I mean, it's getting better. But I do think history tells us they're not typically great producers. He has 702 receiving yards. I think the the route by route metrics look good for him. He's been, you know, a force all across the field. He's athletic. He moves. Um, obviously, a great fit. They needed a tight end in that offense, but I think he would comfortably go in the first round. Agree. Is your one more no doubter Brian Branch? It is the other yeah. Lions pick in the second round. That is, uh, he's the last player I have on my list without a question mark. 
next to the <clears throat> next to their name. So yeah, with you, I think uh, safeties are for someone like me, Bill, who is you yeah. know just so quanty. Safety is the worst. Is the worst. You know, there's like no <laughs> numbers you can possibly say except say like he's been good. Everybody agrees, but uh, mm. I think he's clearly been having. Uh, an impactful season with the Lions. I think that he was borderline first round pick probably going into that yep. draft and would certainly be today. There's no uh no real question about that. Yeah. Okay. Here's where it gets tough. I have Thule Tuapolotu going at the bottom of the first round, the Chargers edge rusher who has played more this year because Coley or because uh Joey Bosa has been injured or in a rotation for most of the year. I don't know if the numbers love Tuli Tupelotu, but I think he's been really fun to watch on film. And I think, you know, some of the concerns about maybe would he be, you know, an impactful pass rusher, I think he's flashed enough. And I think his hands have been heavy enough that I think people are really excited about him who I've talked to around the league. So I would stick Tupelotu at the bottom of the first round. I agree. I have him in and for all of of the same reasons. Like you said, the numbers have not been great, no matter really how you slice it. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. his pass rush win rate, his pressure. So now we're talking like whether it's, you know, chip act, you know, chip quantified or humans watching that like the pressures haven't been great. The one thing I will say is like recently, all those numbers are taking up. So uh, he has looked good in recent in recent weeks. And I just do think that Mm -hmm. kind of matches. People have been talking about him really coming on for for longer than that. But now we are starting to see that in the numbers, too. I think he goes in the first. See, we can be film guys, too. Don't don't just don't just (laughs) stick us in the nerd, the nerd bucket. Okay, I feel I'm so relieved. I was worried you're going to be like two below two ranks. 274th out of 275 oh, edge man. No, oh. no, no. He goes in the first round. Okay, cool. So we have two more. Give me your last one. Uh, I have three more. Right, okay. You you, three more. Right, you, right because you okay. had one, someone that I didn't have. You had Benton in, and I didn't have him. Okay. Okay, great. I'll okay. go Will Levis. I think he... Okay. Round. Do you have Will Levis? He was my last one out. Last one out. Okay. Um, so I think he probably just climbs in just because of the value of quarterback. Now, yeah, it, it's just hard for me to imagine a guy who has looked like he uh, has some ability. We talk about how he ranks 26 out of 29 in mm-hmm. QBR. There's, It's like he's like a little bit better than that if you think about like selection bias, right? Like some guys fall out. And so, but okay, 26, you could say 20, you know, 26 best quarterback this year in, in terms of QBR. And I think that is not like a great starting place for a rookie quarterback, but but right. it could be worse. Clearly, it could be could. worse. I don't think he's in an amazing situation. And so I think I I think just given that value for quarterbacks, that some team would say in the back half, in the back, you know, in the 20s, we mm-hmm. should we should take this guy and, and grab him. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to imagine some of the teams who do have nothing at quarterback for 2024 saying, let's just trade up to the bottom, you know, let's trade our second round pick and move up to the bottom, you know, one of the last two picks of the first round, and let's get Will Levis ahead of, you know, the other teams picking in the 32 to 36 range, which um, maybe that would have been smart. So I I can see it. He just missed out for me, but not a hard argument, not an argument I, I can't understand. I will throw Byron Young out there. The Rams, Rams edge rusher who has six sacks this season. 
obviously everyone gets a boost from playing across from Aaron Donald. I don't know how his win rates stack up, but he has looked promising to me. You know, they needed a couple guys to break through as every down players or significant players for them on rookie deals. And Byron Young has been one of those players in LA. So definitely not the Raiders Byron Young. You're talking Rams Byron Young. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. The second Byron Young selected in this draft. Uh no, yes. I, I so he was not on my he was not in for me. I think this I think it's a totally reasonable argument. Obviously, he got six sacks. That's a pretty big, pretty big number. Um, he is old. You know, he's 25 25 almost 26 already yeah uh which which i think you know that still comes into play here right like if we're if we're redrafting um so i had i had him out i think his numbers are okay uh and he's obviously produced in terms of sacks and he's played quite a bit but i think i have him as a uh an early two yeah nothing wrong with that again like 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 we're we're this exercise is fun to me but the line between not being a first-round pick and being like you know a pick in the 32 to 40 range or 33 to 40 range in a normal year is not an insult to to bryce to uh to byron young to bryce young to byron young or byron young's family um i so i have two left i'm going to save okay. my craziest one for last um Ooh. i have rasheed rice in okay i mean you can't you can't knock the the yards per out run numbers that's you, kind of the it, key here they right? for me i think like it's a really it's a really telling metric and part of it you know i think you could say well he's playing with patrick mahomes and you could say well we've seen lots of other people not produce with patrick mahomes now uh, <laughs> we're seeing so, many of them on a weekly basis uh so uh i i think just given that given the value of receiver you have someone who's producing the way he is on a per route run basis um that that he would get in now yeah, is there some question that when you have, you know, a lower number of routes, how much are how much are you judging the guy on, um, or like it's you're effectively having a smaller sample. He didn't come in and start playing a ton right away, but I would put I would sneak him in there. Hmm. Interesting. You disagree with this one? Go ahead. I I have him top of the second round, and I think okay. your point about you know other other wide receivers have not produced with Mahomes. It does matter. And he's been an exciting yak player, but he's not like a complete receiver. And I think when you have an incomplete receiver combined with, you know, a, a offense that is going to reward you if you are able to garner targets, I think he's good. I think he's exciting. I just don't know if I'd have him as a first round pick. Mm-hmm. You have one um, left, correct? I have one left. My one is a fourth round pick so pretty low on the board i have dewan jones who's done for the year in cleveland the right tackle um he again looked like he belonged on a what is typically a very good offensive line um they have not been able to just help him week after week they've had injuries all across their line um uh you know they, they, they they've had Jedrick wills hurt for a chunk of the year i know he's out for the season he just went on ir um, which is a bummer, unfortunately. But he had to step in pretty, I think it was week one, Jack Conklin got hurt. Um, I, all the Browns injuries kind of you know blend together at this point because they've had so many guys get injured. But Jones had to step in almost immediately, looked like a totally solid NFL lineman. Um, I think that's pretty exciting for a guy you took in the fourth round. So I looked at him, when I was looking at him, I thought, 
this is a player that if he had been a first round pick and he had produced these numbers, that I would still have them in the first round. Mm-hmm. But because of because of where he was drafted, uh, so because of where he was drafted, it was like he would move way up, but you have that prior. And that's going to sound silly when I tell you my last person. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like that's what was happening in my head. I, I hear you. I, I think I get it. It's not like he's like a, a no-brainer top ten pick, but um, NFL teams need offensive linemen. They are desperate to find offensive linemen they can trust, especially pass blocking at tackle. And Dewan Jones has been a totally fine tackle. That's a huge, huge value for the Browns. But now I'm really intrigued. I wonder who who your last guy is. I texted someone in the league to be like, "Is this insane?" to say this person <laughs> could be in the first round and they didn't respond to me. Uh, and so oh, maybe, no. so, so I'm really just throwing it out there. Tell, I want you to tell me one to 10, how crazy this would be. Okay. Ivan Pace Jr. Undrafted linebacker for the Vikings. Listen, his numbers are awesome. I yeah. mean, they're awesome. He's been playing really well. He didn't, didn't start the season right away, uh, but he's coming to the lineup. He's seventh in run stop win rate among linebackers. He's like top 15 in PFF grade. His pass rush win rate when he's rushed the passer is like mm-hmm. 32%, uh, which mm-hmm. is really high. The linebackers do tend to have uh, high numbers. But like, so now it's like, is that is that absurd to take someone that far mm-hmm. who is that far back? But... At the same time, like we are, we are talking about lots of other players who have not produced, who have not gotten on the field, uh, and he has. So, uh, am I one to ten? How crazy is that? Uh, I, you're in the you middle. I say like a five, a five <laughs> level of crazy. If, if if he were a player playing a position we typically value more, mm-hmm. I would say no question. But I think you have the combination of undrafted guy. Uh, playing a position that the league clearly did not value very much in this draft. And even then, in a draft where one inside linebacker, one off-ball linebacker went in the first two rounds, the entire league was like, no, we're good. Like, like we, we can move on. Um, but he's been great. He, he was on... I'm trying to think of when I wrote about Ivan Pace. I wrote about him earlier this year at some point for for .com, and he he looked great then. He's played more now, um, and every time I watch him, he's making plays. So I would have him as a a upper echelon second round. Like I'd have him in the top half of the first round. And to me, I think because I said I, I would drop Jack Campbell out of the first round. I think there's a legit question about would he be the first off ball linebacker taken mm. in a redraft and given how he's played, I don't think that would be an unreasonable argument. Okay. I can take that. If you're willing to go, he's a top half of the second round that I feel like I'm not, okay. I'm not totally uh, coming up with a uh, fan fiction over here. I, I am, I am willing to retract that comment though. If you hear back from your source within the league and they say that's a terrible idea. Okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I mean, I think he's been a phenomenal player. Um, Vikings defense has been great and he's been essential for them this season. So this was fun. I feel like we should do this next year. Yes. Really fun. Really fun. I love just thinking about how every, from that snapshot, how like every, every moment after that things, things shift and move and we can have wildly different opinions about, about these players. Well, if you, if people want to read fun, Wildly different opinions about the NFL, Seth. Where can they do that? Uh, ESPN.com. 
that's where my uh, that's where my work is. You can follow me on Twitter at Seth Walder, but on ESPN, uh, helping with our game previews every week. I do a betting column that comes out every Sunday. Uh, we'll have some FPI stuff coming down the stretch here, talking about like seeds and projections and all of that. And if you like ranking players, at the end of the year, I always do a uh, 100 player MVP ballot article, which I'll be bothering Bill about, I'm sure, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. Tremendous. Thanks so much, Seth. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to my friend, Seth Walder. Love reading Seth's work. Hope you check it out as well. Also enjoyed talking with Ben Baby earlier this week on Tuesday morning about the crazy pair of Monday Night Football games we have. We'll be talking about them through the rest of the season. Uh, a Tuesday show talking about the Monday news and the two Monday or one or two Monday night games, depending on which week it is. And of course, this Thursday show later in the week, more big picture, more midweek news if stuff happens. But we have more audio coming next week, two shows next week here on the Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks so much for listening.